Hello friends and welcome. This is episode two of Journey into Fandom, a podcast where I have guests on to discuss what fandoms and communities they're part of, what their experience has been, what the memes are and how toxic or wholesome it is. Oftentimes my guests will talk about something I have absolutely no experience with, so I've done a bit of a deep dive into the topic to get some perspective, but I'm learning as we go. I'm your host, Karis Lunn, and today on the show we have Andy Polacides on to talk about his involvement in the science fiction community. Andy has three podcasts, The Great Derelict, The Grand Prix podcast, and Into the Expanse, and we had a wonderful chat about the fan cultures of Star Trek, The Expanse, and science fiction in general. From Andy's perspective, getting involved in the world of these properties that he loves and interacting with others is a release and an escape from day-to-day life. Andy also gave some winning advice for inspiring podcasters, and that was really helpful to me personally. It was an open, honest discussion, and I really hope you enjoy it. Now, without any further ado, please join me on this journey into fandom. to another episode of Journey into Fandom. Today on the show we have Andy Palastides on and I'm very excited about this conversation because having heard your episode on Brandon's podcast conversation, which I was on previously as well, by the way, I really enjoyed hearing your perspective about all sorts of stuff. So I'm really excited that you said you would come on the show and uh, yeah, welcome. Welcome to Journey Hello. into Fandom. Hello. Um, Hello there. No pressure on me then. You know, it's just <laughs> big me up like that. No, it's fine. No, it's cool. No. <laughs> yes, uh, I am your host, Karis. And yeah, today we have Andy and you're a podcaster also. Hooray. Yes, I do podcasting things because podcasting is great. It really yeah. is. Um, So <laughs> you're doing the Great Derelict and then the Grand Prix podcast. Is that right? Is it just the two at the moment? uh well i mean at a minute uh it's just those two i also mm. do a podcast called into the expanse into which the expanse. is where we talk about the expanse which is the single best science fiction show on tv today right. uh but we're in between seasons right now so so it's on hiatus until that comes back which will probably be at the end of the year excellent i need to watch that i keep hearing how good it is and so good. I, okay. and and and, and I, I i do a companion cast you can listen along with you see i should synergies yes i should totally do this i love companion podcasts they're great they're so helpful um because i'm like i don't understand this and then i'll listen to a show about it I'll be like this person explains it so well i get it amazing well the main reason we did the podcast was uh, i've got a friend elton who is my my companion my co-host mm. my, my the robin to my joker i don't know uh, but anyway he he um uh yes uh, he, he he um he he wouldn't watch it and i kept telling him you need to watch the show and he just couldn't get into it and we'd previously done podcasts covering um band of brothers the hbo series uh-huh. and uh from the earth to the moon we, we basically when the grand prix podcast is down in the off season we would do a a tv show just to kind of fill the time and you know keep the wheels turning and i said look look 
for this down for this year, why don't you just watch season one of The Expanse? If you don't like it after season one, that's fine. But you know, at least you'll have you'll have done the first season because I knew I knew if he would get to episode four, he'd love it. And so he sat down and he watched it, and I kind of guided him through it each week. You know, helped explain things he was having some issues with. But by the time we got to episode five, he was hooked. And when we got to the end of a season, he's like, yeah, we're going straight into season two. <laughs> I was like, yes! Success! <laughs> and we've been doing that ever since. <laughs> I love yes. that. I love when you're like talking to somebody and you're like, I know you would love this thing. And they're like, nah. And then you, and then they watch it and then you're like, and then they're like, yeah, I get it. It's Vindication! Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> um, that's so fun though. Um, yep. Excellent. So you seem to be involved in many communities, from what I've heard, um, <laughs> a, a community community adjacent, perhaps right, okay. uh, standing at the sidelines, understandably hurling <laughs> shouts in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so uh, from looking at your podcast, The Great Derelict, you kind of talk about like everything. Would that be fair to say in terms of oh, absolutely. science fiction and general geek geekery? To, to tell you the story of The Great Derelict, how that came I'd about, love to hear um, the story. Which, which might give you. Oh, we love a good story. So come come, gather around, children, and I will tell you the tale. <laughs> uh, the Great Derelict actually began as a different podcast called Space Doc Jury. And unlike Brandon, I'm expecting you will know what top trumps are. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. I yes, used yes. to play with those as a kid. Top trumps was the best. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, uh, myself and two other friends, uh, we, we, we decided we wanted to do a top trump podcast about spaceships because we all loved spaceships. Yes. And it was kind of like a Top Gear-esque kind of tongue-planted-in-cheek where we would argue over who brought the best spaceship Right, the episode. that's great. And, and it was a lot of fun. The problem is, is we were all very, very passionate about our ships. And, <laughs> and we were very, very much... It, it got a little heated, not, not in a bad way. Right. We're still friends, we still speak. But, you know, we, we found out we weren't actually enjoying doing the podcast because what we were doing is we were having arguments. Right. Like actual arguments over, no, what, why are you saying my ship is clearly better than yours? And, and it went on like that, which, which in hindsight is very silly, but that's just where we were. Right. Uh, but what we also did during that podcast is we would do little mini episodes, mini surge, where we would just talk about a random science fiction aspects so like we would be talking about what 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 are the best um how does warp drive work or what are the best robots in science fiction just little things which weren't quite so headbutty yeah um and you know it, it came to pass that we all decided we didn't enjoy doing the main podcast and they all both had other podcasts that they already did so mm-hmm. i was like well i'm gonna take the feed yeah and i'm gonna go and turn it into something else and what I did is I created the Great Derelict, and and the, the, the story is that the space dock blew up, and it became this derelict. And now I just talk about whatever I fancy to keep myself sane. And so I I will invite anyone, anyone, and everyone is welcome to come and talk about anything and everything to do with science fiction because I find science fiction utterly fascinating in all its aspects mm. and all its little nuances. And I love having conversations with people to talk about it. I love people to bring their passions to me because. The one thing I don't want to do on the derelict, and I won't do, is I don't do bashing for the sake of bashing. Right. If, if if people want to have a discussion about something that I don't like or they don't like, I'm happy to do that. But I don't want people coming on and just saying this was terrible, and if you like it, you're terrible, and it's terrible. I'm I'm not interested in that. No. So yes, the, pod, the Great Derelict is a podcast where I talk about whatever I feel like. It's very eclectic. Uh, it is completely unfocused. The only rules, like I said, are science fiction. 
That's so fun, though. Like, I... <laughs> yeah, I really like the idea of just people bring their passion. That's kind of like what the show is supposed to be. I hope. I've only done two episodes so far. But, yes, because I'm really excited about what makes people excited and my <laughs> one thing that you said was we all get really passionate about our ships and i was like people do get passionate about their ships particularly in the kingdom hearts fandom it's usually is Kyrie and riku better than Kyrie and Sora, or what have you <laughs> so <laughs> are people shipping their ships that's my question oh, it's entirely possible it nay probable um <laughs> It, it, it's 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 an aspect of the fandom I have yet to dive into, but you know what? If that works for you, fill your boots. Um, <laughs> there's another podcast that I'm, I've I've been on a few times, a friend's podcast, and and we've got this running gag there where we go, we don't kink shame, we're kink inclusive. Fair. This is so funny to me. I love my ship so much. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people really do um, take their ships very seriously, don't they? The the, the ship yes. the shipping wars and um comes in many forms <laughs> as it seems excellent and then there's formula one which is like completely different i know nothing about formula one i gotta be honest oh it's, it's okay neither do we <laughs> it stop us doing a podcast though um, that's great yeah i mean I, I mean the formula one podcast came about because uh, El- elton was doing this podcast previously and he's he's a huge formula one fan and he, he's got a passion for it and basically he just wanted to have a space where he could talk to a mate about formula one because you know his kids weren't really interested in it is mrs wasn't and one of the things which really sucks about being an adult mm. especially if you kind of either work alone or self-employed is you don't have playtime anymore you don't you don't go out at lunchtime and hang out with your mates and just chat for an hour in between lessons you really don't and, and ba- it sucks doesn't it, it? really does <laughs> and and because that kind of space has gone i mean yes you can go to a pub but you know it's you know, especially when you want to get really geeky and nerdy, you know, you, you kind of feel a bit self-conscious. You don't have that space to just kind of indulge in your passion and just talk about it freely and liberally. So, so basically it was like, I want a venue where I can just talk to my mate about Formula One and we may as well put it out there. And if other people like it, great. And if they don't, who cares? It's not it's not for them, it's for us. And it seems that quite a few people have enjoyed listening to us talk absolute bobbins about Formula One. So yeah, it's, it's, it is in the words of uh, James from The Week Planet, it is my more successful podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. Oh, that's great. Um, would you say that there's like one podcast over the other that you prefer doing or or like to extrapolate that, like what fandom overall that you're like more invested in or what have you? Just out of curiosity. Well, as, as far as podcasts go... The Great Derelict is my podcast. Mm. It, 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 it's, it's, it's the one that I consider mine. In that, you know, I, I, I brought it into this world. And, <laughs> and you know, it's, it's the one that I'm much more responsible for the day-to-day running of right. and, you know, the direction. And it's, that, that's kind of my, my brain matter brought to life. The Grand Prix podcast is, although Elton is always saying it's our podcast, and it is our podcast, I do still consider that more Elton's podcast. Yeah. You know, he he kind of kicked it off first you know he's kind of responsible for the feeds i i always view my he, he's the jeremy clarkson there and i'm the james mate <laughs> that, that's, that's kind of a dynamic there excellent um we're, we're both a lot nicer people than most two but you know just as, as a rule that's that's kind of how that works <laughs> so yeah the great derelict is 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 my my house mm, very <laughs> cool very cool so i listened to the episode that you sent me the one about um mental health and cosplay on it 
Ed talks about podcast, I believe. Ah, oh, yes. Uh, that, that's where the kinklusive comes from. Yes, but that's uh, <laughs> nice. Ed's podcast. Yes. <laughs> it was fascinating. The thing that that really resonated with me was when you were chatting about. You were like, "Oh, this is my Mister Rogers moment," and you talked about how fandom is like people are on these ships that are passing in the night, and they make people feel less alone because you can see these little lights around and i just thought that was beautiful i just wanted to let you know that that was oh thank you that was really oh, yeah. cool analogy <laughs> i was like that is how i feel about fandom about just seeing other people involved in their thing we're not necessarily like best buddies or anything but we've got this in common and that's cool and i see you enjoying your thing over there and that's great yeah, so I, I just wish fandom was much more about that. You know, I, I think there's just, I, I, as I said on that podcast and on Brenda's podcast, I think on the whole, fandom is by and large a positive force for good. Mm. It is a good thing. But there is definitely a very vocal subsect that is very much more fandom is a selfish thing and it is something that only I can enjoy. And you can only enjoy it if you enjoy it in exactly the way I prescribe you enjoy it. Mm. And I don't, I don't, I don't book with that. No, no, sir. No, I don't. I don't like that at all. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I completely agree. I just, I can't be bothered. I cultivate my timeline quite, like, vigorously. I just sort of unfollow anybody that posts overly negative stuff because I'm like, I'm not here for this. There's just not enough time in the day to read people that are really negative about things. And I just, I don't go for that. Or bashing people for having a different opinion. Well, and at the end of the day, if you if you want to feel down about something, you just go and read a newspaper. <laughs> right. <laughs> just the, Absolutely. Finding negativity in this world is very easy, it, whereas finding positivity, that's a bit harder. <laughs> true. Absolutely. Um, so, so tell me about your fandom journey. How did you get involved? Like, Or what fandoms would you say that you're particularly involved in at the moment? Or, oh, or you're going to make me time. feel like an old. <laughs> you're going to make me feel like an old man now. Uh, I, I mean, I, as I said, this I'm going to refer back to Brendan's podcast a lot, but it, it was a similar topic, so I wouldn't. But <laughs> that's true. You know, my, my fandom, my fandom journey kind of begins when I was a very, I was a wee little, wee little boy, little, little baby, because uh, my parents introduced me to Star Trek, and they introduced me to Star Trek when I was. I mean, it's like one of my earliest memories is Star Trek. I remember things like Ulysses Thirty One, mm. Thunderbirds. And shows like that, which were on during the 80s. But in the 80s, before the internet was a thing, it, it was a lot rarer to kind of find someone else out there who, who was as much of a geek and, you know, as, as much as a, a fan of a thing until I got to high school. And that's when I met, you know, probably the first people who shared a passion and an interest in things. I, I remember one because I was never very good at sports at school. I, was, I wasn't I was a popular kid. No, me neither. And I remember, you know, while everyone's everyone's out there playing football on the uh, on the playground there, uh, I'm sat over at the side reading the Star Trek The Next Generation technical manual, which I still have and is awesome. <laughs> Beautiful. And a friend of mine, uh, well, he's a friend now, but, you know, I didn't know him at the time, but this, this guy who was there kind of like suddenly realised what I was reading and was kind of like scooching over to the bench where I was because he wanted to look at the book because he like couldn't believe it at first either. And he's like, that's 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 the start that's the enterprise d and i was like yes that is the enterprise d and we we've become firm friends and you know we're still friends now some oh god that's depressing 20 years later <laughs> <laughs> so it's oh 
oh, no, what's even more depressing? It's, it's 35 years later. Ah, oh, <laughs> oh, stop it. Anyway, no, 25 years later. Anyway, my point is, I, I made these friends at school who I'm still very good friends with. And, you know, that, that kind of helped, helped cultivate this this love of these worlds and this fandom. And then when the internet came along, uh, for me, which was the late 90s, all of a sudden, easy access to so many more fans. And this was before social media. This is before even MySpace was a thing. And if you kids don't know what MySpace is, ask your parents. <laughs> but, uh, it was web forums was kind of like the place that you'd meet up. There was news groups and web yeah. boards. Uh, and and I, I, I joined one of those. And uh, it was a, a forum where people would argue, argue debate, over what would win, a Star Destroyer or the Enterprise? Well, which Enterprise? Which Star Destroyer? Mm. Um, and I love to dive into that kind of real-world minutiae of it. You know, I'd love to, you know, look and pretend that the Enterprise was a real ship. Well, how does this work? And, and how does this connect? And how do transporters work? Or, you know, things like Babylon 5, which was so much more realistic because it has Newtonian physics. Yay! Yay! <laughs> you know? I love I, I love I love diving in, into that part, side of it. So, so that that was... You know my fandom. I I didn't really have a singular science fiction fandom because I, I I was brought up on so much of it. Right. But then the biggest transition of fandom for me probably came in 2012 when uh, I started uh, getting into cosplay, which I was introduced by some other friends because I I've always been I won't say a social recluse, but I've never found it particularly easy to go out and be social and to to meet people and to hang out. But, but cosplay, I discovered, gives you an out because you're not you. You are your character. You know, you, you, mm. are, you, are, you are disguised. And, and, and that was a way for me to go out to, to attend these cons, which was a lot of fun, and you know, build the costumes, which I love doing. I love being practical and making props and making the costumes. And to go and, and, and inhabit these worlds and in, inhabit these characters. And that was great fun as well. And I've been doing that now for nearly a decade that's awesome. I've got to stop. I've got to stop referencing the years. This is depressing me. <laughs> <laughs> I am sorry. <laughs> that's all right. Um, um, yeah, no, that's awesome. I I loved forums. Like, I mean, I I think they were just on their way out when I started getting into them um, because that was like maybe like the late two thousands. I remember like being on a few few different ones around like two thousand and seven up to like maybe. 2010 2011 2012 kind of thing and then they all started like getting deleted and i don't mm -hmm. think any of the ones that i used to be on exist anymore they're all gone and it's like uh, it's real sad that was a piece of it, it, i'm reminded of that quote by obi-wan kenobi it was an, an elegant weapon of a more civilized age and and it felt like that they felt yeah much more civilized and and respectful discourse it was a place where you felt much more of a tight-knit community on the web forums at least the ones i inhabit yeah i and i would i would agree with that i'm not quite sure i've never got to the bottom of why that is because i do sometimes think about that why why were online forums why did they feel so much more like a community than like social media and i think it's probably because i don't know this is a bit of an, a theory but possibly i think the only people looking for those are the really dedicated people that are like, oh, I'm searching for a Star Trek forum. Like, I, I'm I'm actively looking for this potentially. Um, whereas social media, you've just got like everybody and anybody just kind of shows up. I don't really know. I think you're right. I, 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 the way I would look at it is the web forums were more dedicated rooms where you'd go into and you 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 had to seek them out. And you had to be let in. Yes. You know, even even with the, the, the most liberal of 
entry policies there. You know, someone would have to, you know, accept the registration and let you in, and you were kind of bound by the rules of that room and that platform. Whereas with social media and things like Twitter now, everyone's just standing in the hallway shouting over each other. And if you suddenly hear something which piques your interest, you go over there. But it also piques the interest of someone over there who wants to come and tell you you're wrong for liking the thing. Right. And it, it's, it's um, yeah, it's, it's a lot more uh, manic. Mm. And, and I suppose um, this is too much talking over people and, and it's... it's 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 not fun. I don't I don't like it. <laughs> I will say I do enjoy Twitter at times. Me and my friend talk about this all the time because I think a lot of people are are quite quick to dismiss Twitter as it's inherently awful. It sucks. And I'm like I I've met some really cool people on Twitter. But yeah. Overall as a platform, there's a lot worse things on there than than, you know, back in the day. Which is funny because at that point, it felt like the Wild West of, of the internet, you know, the ye old days, um, <laughs> yeah. especially on YouTube. I just remember some really weird, like, controversial YouTubers at that time. And now you're, they've brought in community guidelines and strict, like, made things a lot kind of stricter in terms of demonetizing people that don't say certain things and what have you. And then there's Twitter and there's just whatever's going on over there. I don't know. But <laughs> anyways... <laughs> um, you mentioned cosplay, and I really, I really enjoy cosplay. I yeah, yeah. cosplay is awesome. I mean, cosplay co- cosplay should be awesome. Yeah, some people will, as with all fandoms, try and suck the fun out of it. But but what it's it's there in the title, cosplay. Have fun. Absolutely. Um, and I've only done a very few of them in my life, most mostly for just like Halloween parties. But I sort of I like to go the extra mile and actually make it look like somewhat. Like it's meant to, a little bit. Not on any level of these professional cosplayers or any or what have you. But yeah, and I totally understand that feeling of like I'm inhabiting a character, and I thought that was really cool. Um, what you said about that on Ed's podcast, because yeah, I just think it's really interesting um, to see how different people get into it and the reasons why. And I think that's fascinating to me. I've never really thought about oh, I'm doing it to adopt a persona for the day and just leave my worries behind. I think that's a... Just take a day off from being you. It's great. That is great. (laughs) That's fantastic. And it's great to have places where it's socially acceptable for adults to do this and it not be one day of the year, Um, you know. And I think that's fun. I think that's great. And I'm looking forward to conventions coming back you know, when it's safe to do yeah. so and everything. Maybe next year. I think this year might still be a bit too soon. Yeah. But, but hopefully soon we, we can bring them back. Yes. And, and, uh... I've actually only ever been to one con in my life, um, which was in Australia, and it was all right. It kind of, I don't know. I got dragged around a bunch of things I didn't want to be at sort of thing. So I don't know. I'm excited to... Oh, you, you are, you're up at Glasgow, is it? You are? Um, yes. Yes. I'm in the Glasgow area. I I know friends that kind of responsible and run cons that way, so I'm I'm happy to introduce you to to some people if you want, or if you find your way down in this part of the country, I will happily take you to a con. There's there's many down here. Yay! That is so fun, so good. Um, yeah. So, what's been your favorite convention that you've ever gone to? Or tell me some fun memories. 
Oh, you want you want fun convention stories, do I, you? Oh, I mean, I, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I mean, so so the biggest one that we do down here is MCM, which uh, I don't know if you know what the Excel Center is, but it's this huge hall down on the Docklands, uh, which is currently a hospital. Well, it was a hospital, then it was a Grand Prix circuit. Now I think it's a convention hall again. But anyway, oh wow. Uh, they they kind of fill that out, and there's like hundreds of thousands of people go there, and it's it's huge, and you will see every cosplay imaginable under the sun. Uh, but I I always find that one is a little bit too manic. That's kind of like one of those US conventions where it's just people everywhere, so many people, uh, which is crazy. My my favorite convention, unfortunately, is a convention which doesn't happen anymore. But it was called Nine Worlds, uh, Nine Worlds Geek Fest, which took place uh, between. Let me see if I can get this right. I think it was between 2013 and 2018 was for last year. And what was great about that convention is it was a a very inclusive convention. It was set up from the from the ground floor to be inclusive and safe and welcoming for anyone who wanted to be there. But the idea was that you know it was it was, it was open for people with disabilities, uh, you know, people who have anxiety, people who find it difficult in social spaces, uh, a safe space for women, a safe space for people of colour. It was supposed to be this really nice kind of inclusive convention, and and it was great for a few years. It was lovely. Uh, One of the things that was great they had is like just a little lanyards, um, which had your badge on, had a colour-coded strap. So if it was green, it was like, please talk to me. I'm happy to engage with you, whatever. If it was yellow, it was please only approach me if I know you or if I've spoken to you first. And if it was red, just don't talk to me, full stop. And people respected it. And they had badges where you could put your prefer- preferred pronouns down on the badges and you had you know, all of this stuff. And it, was, it, was a, it was trying to do something great. Tragically, and as is often the case, unfortunately, it ended up eating itself and uh, it fell apart in 2019. But that was a great one. And that's where we... They'd have panels and discussions, and it was about a myriad of different things. There was uh, the Bifrost Cabaret, which was so much fun. And a lot of my ideas for, for The Great Derelict and the kind of conversations I have there started watching panels at Nine Worlds. So that's kind of the genesis of that. And I met great friends there that, you know, again, I'm still friends with to this day. That was my favorite convention. I, I, I like those sort of conventions. The more intimate, the more... The cosplay is certainly a part of it, but it's not just about trying to sell you merch or trying to get you to go and sign something from a famous person. Right. I, I, I have no real interest in celebrity culture. Right. I don't. I don't. I, I've never. I've never stood in line for an autograph. I'm never going to. It just it, for me, it just doesn't interest me. But having someone famous or, or a celebrity give a talk about something interesting, I will sit in that auditorium and listen to that all day long and, and that's what i really enjoy oh that's cool that's really cool yeah the, the, the con i went to I, I was there with my ex and stuff and he just wanted to get like a bunch of autographs so like there were days where we just stood in line for like an hour or like an hour and a half i'm like this is so boring why did we come oh, yeah. why did we come all the way here just to stand in a line to get your thing signed and then it takes two seconds i don't understand uh, and it's not even an interaction with. I mean, you do get some guests who are great and will like talk to you and engage with you, but I'm always like, I don't want to just say hi, sign it to so and so. Here's a picture, goodbye. That, that's that's not a meaningful interaction for me. I'd rather sit down with someone over the course of an hour, like we're doing here. Yes, have a conversation, have a chat, get to know them a little bit, make a bit of an impression, maybe. But you know that that to me is much more meaningful a connection mm. than 
you know, be, being the 700th person in the line that he's seen this morning. Right, absolutely. <laughs> Would you say that being involved in fandom for you is like a way to, to meet people and like make friends? And is that like why you're involved in fandom in the first place? Or is it that and other reasons? That's an interesting one. I don't, I mean, I, I absolutely have met many. In fact, I'd, I'd go as far as to say almost all of my friends, you know, including my wife. I have met through fandom and geekdom there you go. And, and in that space. So so it, it actually has been that way. But I don't think it was my, I don't think it was the reason I got into it. And I don't, and I don't think it's the reason I remain into it. I, I think what got me into fandoms, especially on the science fiction side of it, is I, I found a connection to those worlds. I found something which interested me, something that I wanted to, to talk about, something that gave me a... Of release, I suppose, mm. from you know the day to day world. You know, it, as as I mentioned before, you know, you know, being an adult kind of sucks, and you know, all the stuff that's going on in the news is very. It could be very depressing and overwhelming. Whereas, you know, inhabiting these worlds and discussing aspects of it, it 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 makes everything a little bit smaller, a little bit easier to understand and to, to process. And finding people to share that with has been, you know, really good for me. And I think the reason I'm still in these spaces, you know, I still I still enjoy talking all about it there. But I, I'd like to. I don't know if this is a case of I like to consider myself or I am this or I aspire to do this, but I, I hope that what I can be now is, you know, if someone is, you know, a younger person is struggling who doesn't necessarily know their place or how to 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 process what's going on in the world, you know, they can look to someone like myself or. or you know, you know, people who are established in the fandom and are positive voices and get some guidance and, you know, help make their lives a little bit easier, you know, help connect them to this, you know, what is largely a positive space. So that, you know, if they have been had bad experiences with people telling them they're wrong because they like Shiva or, you know, they're not a true fan of Star Wars because, you know, they weren't in the line in 1977 to watch the original trilogy films. Mm. You know, at least know there's people out there who will still accept them, who still welcome them into the fandom and and who still so like, even if i don't particularly like a part of this fandom it just means it's not made for me and just because it's not made for me doesn't mean that it's wrong for you to like it i, I think that's largely a, an issue that uh people certainly of my age uh and uh gender and complexion uh need, need to get over themselves not everything's made for you buddy absolutely 100 <laughs> percent no, I, I really agree with that. And I think, like, some people just need to chill out. It's not that serious. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah. So I think, potentially, we could move on to the next segment. So we've chatted a lot about your personal experience. I don't know if there's anything more you wanted to say about that. The, the problem, I mean, because I've spoken about it on, on a couple of other podcasts, I'm, I'm a little bit wary. I don't want to necessarily repeat myself. It's not that I don't have a problem sharing these things with you, you know, you, yeah. you here, but it's also the case of, you know, I said the thing there, but did I, what was I saying when I said the thing there? I mean, the main takeaway for me with fandoms is, like I said, is is, is you you bring to it what you, you get from it what you bring to it, mm. and, and you should celebrate what you love. And if you don't like the thing, there's, there's, there's no shame in not liking a thing. No, no one is, if you don't like a thing, don't let anyone ever tell you you're wrong for not liking it. Yes. But at the same time, you know, it, it, 
you you shouldn't then have to go and tell someone they're wrong for liking it. You know, it's 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 a little bit of live and let live. But I think the world as a whole would be a much better place if we celebrated what we loved instead of decrying what we disliked. Because it's the old uh, adage that you know, if if you have a positive experience in a restaurant, you'd tell maybe one person. If you have a negative experience, you'll tell ten people. Yeah, it, it'd be better if we could flip that around. Tell ten people about the positive experience. And maybe just keep the negative one to yourself, unless it's you know really offensive and bad. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yes, I I am aware that the, <laughs> that this show is a very similar show to Brandon's show. Shout out to Brandon! What a good show he has. Excellent. Very interesting guest. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong though with you know. It's the old thing that there's no original ideas. Everything has been done. But yes. I still think it's it's important to to ha- have the discussions and bring different perspectives mm. because you know. You're a woman. I'm assuming you're a woman. Uh, yes. <laughs> didn't want to. Didn't want to assume any oh, pronouns or, or, or anything. So. But my point is, you know, you're a woman. You're, you're Scottish. You, you have a different worldview and perspective to Brandon, who is American. You know, living out there. I think it's in the West Coast. There, you come from wildly different backgrounds. You have different stories, and you bring different things to it. So I think it's absolutely worthwhile having this podcast and having this discussion than um, just saying, oh. He's done it, so I shouldn't do it. If if that was the case, then me and Elton wouldn't have done the Grand Prix podcast because there's plenty of other F1 podcasts out there. And I probably wouldn't have done The Great Derelict because there's other podcasts out there talking about science fiction. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. Is It's it's pretty much impossible to have an original podcast idea. Like The only thing that you can hope is that you can switch things up a little with the format. But, you know, even if you don't do that, it's okay, I think. Well, as long as as long as you enjoy doing it, I think that's the single most important. Anyone who's thinking of doing a podcast, the single most important thing to it is that you enjoy doing it. If it becomes a chore, if it becomes a job, if you don't enjoy doing it, then don't do it. it, it do it. Do it because you love doing it. Do it because you enjoy the conversations. Do it for you, and and that's that's the single biggest bit of advice I can give to any podcaster out there. Yeah, absolutely. If you're listening to this and you want to start a podcast, do it because you enjoy it. I think that's the way to go. So, I want to shift a little bit. You've mentioned a little bit about fandom discourse already. Um, oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> spicy. I like talking about fandom discord. Um, discourse, rather. Would you Discourse say- on the Discord? Yes. Um- <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, I... I spend far too much time on Discord. It's it's a problem. Um, I, I don't understand Discord. I'm an old man. I, <laughs> I look at it. I go, I don't know how this works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that was me when I got into it, when I first joined. And now I'm like part of many servers. And I'm like, oh, starting my own and things like that. It's, it's a lot of fun, though. There's a lot of cool people on Discord. So I was, <laughs> um, I was wondering, so in terms of... For example, like what would you say is the sort of the main topics that people engage with in your fandom, be it Grand Prix or Star Trek or whatever? Well, I mean, with Star Trek, uh, you know, the obvious main source of discourse, and I mean discourse in the view of people arguing, it's it's the the dividing line between the and I'm finger quoting here classic Trek being 
the original series, the movies, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise, and the new Trek, again, finger quotes, which is everything from the 2009 film uh, and including like Discovery and Picard and Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds and all these things which are coming out now. But, but as, there's very much a, a, a dividing line between those two camps. There are people absolutely which love both, but there are a very vocal subset who, who, who are of the opinion that the new Star Trek isn't Star Trek. And because people like that Star Trek, well, they don't understand Star Trek or they're against Star Trek or they're killing Star Trek's babies. I, I don't really know what their issue is. But, <laughs> but that is that, that is definitely a, a very loud talking point. There's, there's a lot of gatekeeping going on there. I mean, I think it's a little bit better now because we've just had the first season of Discovery and, you know, bloody 2009 Star Trek film came out in 2009, which... I hate to break this to you people, but that was like 12 years ago. It's so, true. It's, one of those ones where it's so true. There's, there's, there's people alive today whose only experience of Star Trek is the new Trek, but you still find these people who who are, who are very much going, well, you know, it's 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 not proper Trek because it's not Picard or it's not, you know, Kirk. And you know, the thing is, I, I've, I've seen this. Every single iteration of Star Trek which came along has has endured this. although. Back in the day, before the internet, it wasn't quite as in your face. Mm. You know, it was it was a lot it was a lot harder to to get to people to complain about the next generation in 1987 because there was no internet. Right, it didn't stop them. There is a newspaper article which you can find online quite easily where people were complaining about the next generation about how it doesn't have Spock and McCoy in it and it's being led by this bald English actor. What is this? <laughs> and then you know. Deep Space Nine came along, and then it was a case of you can't have Deep Space Nine. It's a space station. It's supposed to be on a spaceship and a black captain. What are you playing at? And then you Kate Voyager came along, and you're just rehashing the next generation, but with a woman captain. Uh, yeah, it's, every single time there's a new iteration of a fandom, there will be a vocal subset who, who, without even giving a chance, will decry it as being terrible. Yeah, straight out of the gate. And I think that's. <laughs> That's got worse over time as well, in my opinion. I don't know. I could be wrong. but I don't know if it's gotten worse. It's certainly been easier for people to to shout it and to find other people to shout it with. Yeah, because I, I feel like um, people see like a trailer drop or a screenshot and they automatically decide they don't like it. And it's like, you don't know what it is yet. <laughs> I don't know. People always kind of make up their minds. But that's interesting. So, because I think I see that a lot. Um, I, I don't know that much about Star Trek, honestly. Like you, you said, oh, there's people that have only seen the new films. That's me. I've only seen the new films. Um, Have I? I don't even know if I've seen Star Trek Beyond. I think I've maybe watched it once. I've certainly yeah, se- seen the O9 <laughs> and an Into Darkness film. I've seen those two. And it's been a while, so I don't even remember them very well i remember enjoying them thinking they were fun um so i don't know what would you say to someone like me that's only seen those am i missing the good stuff where is the good stuff well my first question to you would be did did you enjoy the films i mean do you enjoy science fiction i do is enjoy my first science question. fiction so you like science I fiction do. So, okay well 
if you like science fiction, and I absolutely think it's worth checking out Star Trek because not only is it fantastic in itself, but it's so influential on so much other science fiction which has come afterwards. So it, by watching some of these shows, you learn more about other shows which you love because you can see tropes which started out in Star Trek. You can see things which kind of call back so you'll get more out of the other shows. Uh, as far as what's for good stuff, you know, there's countless websites, articles, YouTube videos which will tell you definitive episodes. It really depends what you want to get out of your science fiction or, or your you know, storytelling. For me, Star Trek and science fiction as a whole is at its best when it's being used as a vehicle to convey a larger message. Mm. Uh, you know, it's, it's trying to take something which is relevant today and it paints it in a futuristic setting where you're dealing with aliens, not other people. And you can look at it with that outside perspective and then... You go, oh, actually, you know, it was wrong that they were discriminating against those aliens. Oh, wait, no, that's the message, isn't it? Yeah, that's for me is a good one. And, and there's there's loads of episodes like that out there. If you just want good action, though, there's plenty of great, you know, action episodes of Star Trek. You know, it, it's been going for 55 years this year. Oh, my uh, goodness. Think, that's wild. Oh, yeah. I, and don't, don't don't for an instant think all of it's great. There's some terrible stuff in there. Um <laughs> And, and also don't feel like you have to watch all the terrible stuff, you know, but but if if you are interested in, and this goes for Star Trek, Star Wars, Doctor Who, Babylon 5, any science fiction you mm. want, find find the community, find, find the fandom and find the positive part of a fandom, which, which, you know, you can find on Twitter, on Discord, on Facebook, come to the Great Derelict page on Facebook and, you know, we, we can kind of steer you right there. And people will help you curate a list of places to go and, you know, dip your toe in, see what you like, see what... You, you connect with and then from there if you like it then that's great but if you don't like it well again not everything is made for everyone if, if you do connect with it that's great and fantastic and you will have 55 years of worth of amazing content that you can go back and dive into but if you don't well no harm no foul there's there's plenty of other things out there there's stuff out there that you probably are really passionate and love that you know it isn't made for me and and that's great but it's great that they both exist out there in the world i think so Absolutely. Yeah, I'm definitely more of like a character-driven person than I am a plot-driven person. I've discovered um, mm -hmm. that I can... For, for me, a char like the characters is what makes a show. Like It can have like pretty mediocre plot, but if I find the characters interesting, I'll still watch it. But if, yeah. um, but if the characters are awful and I don't... Well, not if they're not awful, because... Compelling. Yes. You want compelling if I characters. don't find them compelling personally, yeah. then I'm like, eh. So See, that's one of the things I love about The Expanse is because every character on that show is so utterly compelling and, and filled with nuance. And, you know, the cast is, is just so, so amazing and powerful. Yeah. It, it's an absolute travesty. They haven't won every Emmy since they started airing. But it being a science fiction show and it being on streaming, it, it doesn't get the... The, the recognition there but That's unfortunate. Uh, you, you have yeah um, uh shui um i can never pronounce her surname uh she's that iranian actor uh let me just find out how you spell her name properly <laughs> so so uh it's, it's shui agdashalu okay i think i've pronounced i think i've butchered that <laughs> when, when you see her picture you'll instantly know who it is but but she gives this commanding performance as uh christian avasarala who is one of the leaders of Earth in there, and and it's such a she she goes 
very, very minor spoiler, but I'll say in the very first episode, she is effectively torturing a belter, someone who comes from the belt, to get information about a potential terrorist attack. To by the end of the series, she has a complete reversal. And it's not like, it's not contrived. And it's not a case of, oh, you know, it's it's for the plot. It's a very natural progression where the character has come around and you just love seeing it. And she is our queen and we will worship her. But it is, The Expanse is full of these really, in, it's an intelligent show as well. It, it won't hold your hand while it's telling you these stories, but it's so rewarding to just sit and watch it and just take it all in. I love it. I will absolutely have to check it out because I'm always looking for shows that everyone in my family would like to sit down and watch because there's not many of those. Um, <laughs> my sister's into K-dramas and my dad just refuses to watch anything that's got subtitles on it. So, yeah, we kind of... Ah, well, my wife is currently going through a, a K-period drama. Um, Very cool. Which is a thing, apparently, which is on Netflix. <laughs> Excellent. But Do she you... likes The Expanse as well, so there you go. I will ha- there, there, there might well be crossover. I'll have to have a look. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. Well, great. Are there any sort of, like, creators that you follow, you know, at all within your fandom, whether it's, like, YouTubers or streamers or whoever? Well... With, with the Expanse, I follow. Um, so, so, the Expanse as a series is based off of a series of novels, and the novels are written by someone attributed as James S. A. Corey, but that's actually a pseudonym for two actors, uh, two two writers, sorry. And I follow the James S. A. Corey account, which is actually just one of the writers posting from that, and I follow that quite a lot, and that's interesting. And he actually does a podcast with one of the main cast from The Expanse, Wes Chatham. Uh, and, and I really enjoy watching that because it gives a lot of really interesting insight and it gives, you know, you know some background. And they're just fun people to, to kind of listen along to and, and watch on that. On the Star Trek side, I don't really follow anyone in the production side of it or in, mm. in terms of the, um, you know, the cast. I, I follow them, but, you know, I, I, it's, it's not like I go looking for them. You know, they'll just pop up on my feed. Uh, now and then, but there's a very, very active Star Trek Twitter community, which is a very positive space, at least the part of it that I'm in. Uh, and I enjoy being in that space because, you know, again, I've met a lot of fans and it's it's great. Just It was just a big convention for Star Trek and it's been great just kind of seeing all the pictures of people over in Las Vegas in, in costume or wearing masks. <laughs> uh, but it, it was great kind of, you know, seeing them interacting and getting together. There's been a couple of documentaries made recently as well, uh, revisiting Deep Space Nine and Voyager, and there was a lot of fan engagement in those, which was was very nice to to see people's stories there. Um, in, in terms of like the wider making, creating sort of space, I mean, I follow Adam Savage uh, from Tested, okay, because I like I love making props and doing things like that, and he does these one day builds, which are always great. And, you know, you just sit and look at his workshop in absolute envy and go, oh man, all the stuff I think I could make if I had that space and then realizing that I, I wouldn't, you know, I just, I'd get lost in it. There's just too much, too much there, too much possibilities. Uh, but I enjoy watching him make things, which is always uh, good fun. And yeah, that's, that's kind of it. I mean, as far as other creators and things that I follow on YouTube, I mean, good old Mr. Sunday. Oh, uh, yes. Do, do enjoy a little, little bit of uh, James and May. So, uh, Ranting at the world, <laughs> going slowly insane, which is always fun. Oh, we love them. <laughs> They're so good. Um, they are. Podcasts is another thing. I, I mean, I obviously I do podcasts, but I follow 
uh, a number of other podcasts, you know, some done by friends, some done by people I've kind of discovered and other creators out there. You know, I, I listen to Brandon's podcast. Uh, I, I'll, I'll listen to this podcast. I'll listen to uh, some that other people have done, guests I've had on the show, it, you know, other things that interest me. So, yeah, I, I, I take in a lot of podcasts just, you know, because when I'm out and about with my headphones on, uh, it's either podcast or audiobooks. So that's that's what I do. <laughs> mm. Well, thank you. That's cool. I'm, I'm excited to, to launch this show. Excellent. Yeah, no, I think that fandoms are so fun because to me, it's like you have something that somebody puts out into the world, be it a show or a movie or a book, whatever, and it just inspires people to come together and be creative and have a podcast about it or make art or stream or make YouTube videos. And I just think that's a beautiful thing that one person's idea can spawn this immense amount of creativity. And I, I love that. So do you see that as well in the sort of Star Trek community? Would you say that they're a creative bunch? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think there's, a lot of the people I follow, there's a particular tweet. Is it Twitter? There's an individual I follow. I can't remember. I think Kellyan is their name. Is their name? So they they do a thing called Thrifty Trek, where they teach you how to do cosplay on a budget, and they like show these really great costumes which have been done for like twenty dollars. That's awesome. Which has been oh yeah, and that's great. You know, it just kind of shows it's it's very accessible and anyone can do it. There's people out there who do, you know, fantastic artwork, fan art. I mean, my background way back when was in CGI and doing, you know, computer generated imagery. And there's still a lot of people out there doing fantastic CG renders and things there, which is great to see. And, you know, seeing I love seeing spaceships and people doing fantastic renders with them, which is which is awesome. Um, so yeah, the, the, you know, fan, fandom is like you said, it, it it's a great place for, you know finding other people within your tribe, finding people who, who share a love of a thing, who you've got an instant connection with. You know, it, it, it's, it's like when you find somebody in your fandom, you've got an instant point of reference with each other. Yeah. Um, where, where, you know, okay, we, we both know all of this. And so this from here, we can build our friendship and our relationship from because, we, you know, we can always refer back to this, which is our baseline. And I think that's that's very useful, and I I find that uh, really helpful for uh, getting along, both in you know, uh, you know, Star Trek fandom, Expanse fandom, the the, the science fiction fandom. You know, it, it it's all it, it, you find the people who are fans of the things that you're a fan with, and you can all celebrate along together. That's great. Yeah, I love that, and I think that i think it's important for for people to be able to share their real views and you know to be critical of things if they if, if they want to be but not to bash anything and just to um but to celebrate the things that bring people together i think that's great and i love to see that would you say that there's anything like specific to the star trek or like expanse fandom culture that you don't see in other places or not really i don't know yeah. I don't really know if there's anything unique to it because, you know, I I, I think this was a discussion I had a long time ago with Eddie 
because Eddie doesn't particularly like Star Wars. And one of the reasons he didn't want to get into Star Wars is because he was saying to me how negative the fandom is. Mm. And, and as I explained to him, I said, well, I don't think the fandom is in it itself inherently negative. I think what it is, is all fandoms have a proportion of negative fans, people who gatekeep, people who are against welcoming new people into the fandom. And I think the thing with Star Wars is, is it's such a huge fandom proportionally yeah. that is it seems larger. And I think it's the same in, I know it's the same in Star Trek and it's the same in Doctor Who. I don't, I haven't encountered it so much with The Expanse, but I, by the time I came to The Expanse, I was a lot better when it came to curating my spaces and just avoiding, uh, you know, people who are, are negative. And, and The Expanse yeah. is, very self-correcting by and large. If anyone sticks their head above the power pit with a particularly bad take, they usually get shot down pretty sharply. <laughs> um, so, so, so that's not been my experience within the Expanse fandom. Once again, I'm not saying it doesn't exist and it isn't out there. I'm just saying I haven't encountered it. But yeah, the things which you know, the things which have been going on long, like Star Trek, Doctor Who, Star Wars, anything which has been going on long enough. Anything which has kind of crossed that generational gap as well, I think. I think that's part of it too. Yeah. Um, I, I think when that happens, you then have uh, the, the storytellers, the makers, the creators will start making the content for the new generation, which won't necessarily speak to the previous generation. And they might feel left behind. They might feel you know ignored or left out by the creators. And, and as I said before, it's not that... They are diminishing you or they're not saying that they don't appreciate that you as a follower. But what they're saying is we've made these programs for you. This this content was made for you, but this content here and now we're making for these people. And if you enjoy it as well, then that's absolutely fantastic. But if you don't enjoy it, please just remember it wasn't necessarily made for you. It was made for them. Yeah. And I think that I think that's so true. And I think <laughs> I just I don't envy like a lot of these showrunners or you know people that are involved in like Star Wars or whatever because no matter what they do you know there will be people that don't like the thing because you know what's really interesting um I just watched I, I, are you familiar with Evangelion at all um yeah so I'm actually quite a, quite a huge anime fan I haven't actually seen Evangelion yet is on my list. I've got many. Ah, but but you, you're familiar uh, yes. with it, yes? I, I know what it is, yes. So, so Evangelion, just at, at the time of recording, uh, just a week ago, dropped the very last rebuild of Evangelion film after an eight-year delay from the previous one. And this is a story which is, you know, it, uh, Hideki Anno began telling that story in, in 1995. So it, it's been a long time coming. And as a documentary, speaking with uh, Hideki Anno uh, and, and his experiences working on it, and he's talking about how when he was making Evangelion, e Evangelion, I won't go too deep into this because this is an entire different podcast on its own. <laughs> but basically, at its core, well, it, it, it appears that Evangelion is about giant robots fighting monsters but it's not it is really a deep dive into Hidekiano's mind and his fight with depression and he kind of told this story he told the story he wanted to tell but at the end of it people didn't like the way he'd ended his story mm -mm. 
and he he's talking about how he was going online and he's finding these uh, message boards and news groups where people want him to kill himself and they're suggesting ways he could do this. This is someone suffering from depression reading about this. And these people have come to this thing he's created and loved it, but because they don't agree with how he's told that story are now saying these horrible, horrible things to him. And, and, and I'm, I think about people like George Lucas as well. George Lucas, who created Star Wars, which was you know so fundamental to so many people. And then people didn't like the story he told with the Star Wars prequels and then harassed him and hounded him to the point where he just gave away Star Wars to Disney. Yeah. And now hate what Disney have done and are now going around saying, George Lucas, come back. And it's like he sold Star Wars because of the way you fans treated him. Again, not all fans. It was a very vocal subset. Yeah, of course. But it is that it 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 it, it is attacking the creators in that way that is is kind of that's very much the dark side of fandom, uh, the, the subset which is we could all definitely use to, to go without. It's great to love the thing. Even if you dislike what a creator's done, dislike the story, what's far better is discuss amongst yourselves to understand why they did it in that way. Understand why you don't like it. And then even if you still don't like it, the understanding of it will mean you've grown as a person yeah. and have a better appreciation if nothing else. Absolutely. It's really harsh as well to me because, I mean, I'm involved in Kingdom Hearts community and the sort of Final Fantasy and like Square Enix in general. Um, but I just see people bashing Nomura for like every single decision to do with Kingdom Hearts or Final Fantasy or whatever it is that he's up to. And it's like, I don't think he's necessarily making all of these decisions. You know, I don't think that. It, all of this is his fault in quotation marks like not everything is up to that person um and sometimes the studio interferes and what have you and then you've got a whole other problem with you know release the snyder cut release the whatever cut and it's like oh <laughs> i don't know but i'm happy for the people that got the snyder <laughs> cut and liked it i haven't looked at it um because i just can't stomach a four-hour film um <laughs> Well, I, I, I said this. I said this previously to Brandon. I, I, I haven't watched Batman v Superman. I haven't watched Justice League, and I haven't watched the Snyder Cut because, from my experience of watching uh, Zack Snyder's films, I, I, I haven't enjoyed them. I've watched um, Three Hundred. I watched uh, Watchmen. I watched um, uh, his Dawn of the Dead remake, and um, oh, what was that one with the baby doll? Oh, um, Sucker Punch. Called. Sucker That's Punch. Such a I watched those film. films. <laughs> it's a strange film, and, and and I didn't enjoy them. And the from the trailers, I didn't think I would enjoy these ones. I watched Man of Steel; it was okay, but I didn't particularly enjoy it. And so I decided it's just not for me, right? And I, I, I think that might be something that some people need to be able to do as well. Understand that if you're not going to enjoy, if you feel like you're not going to enjoy the thing. Don't force yourself to watch it and then come away from it just hating it even more. Uh, I've got friends who, you know, they're very down on fandom in general. And and it's a case of they, they won't just walk away, though. Yeah. They will watch the thing, get mad because they don't like the thing, and then tell everyone that it was bad because they didn't like it. And then they'll go and find people who did like it and tell them, 
oh, well, it's great you enjoyed it and it doesn't bother me, but you're all wrong and here's why. Maybe like a 17-page essay of all the text about why they didn't like right. it. Right. And I'm like, you, you knew going in you weren't going to like this. You, you knew you weren't going to enjoy this. You, you've looked at all of this stuff coming up to now, not enjoyed a single piece of it, and you've, you've gone out of your way to watch this knowing you're not going to enjoy it. Mm. Why did you do that? It's just like, I don't get you don't it. have to watch it. Yeah, and it's like, and I really don't see how people can, can watch something and come away and think, I hated everything about it. Like, there, there, there's really nothing that you thought was good or at, at the very least competent? I've watched uh, films, re- recent films that I have really disliked and, and they're actually part of fandoms that I'm, you know, quite fond of. Uh, and I'll even name them here. Uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, I really don't enjoy uh, for a lot of reasons. Mm. It's, it's a very competently made film, but it is very clearly not made for me. And I haven't enjoyed this. Uh, and it was a time not too long ago, where I would have gone on a long rant and told everyone who did enjoy it why they were wrong and why it's terrible. And I won't do that anymore because I've, I've grown as a person. I've done some growing, self-reflection, and I've realized that it's fine. It, right. it, it doesn't hurt me. I just don't watch it. I've not watched it since. I'm not going to watch it. It's the same with, um, Alien, with Prometheus and Alien Covenant. I'm a massive fan of Alien and Aliens. I really disliked both of those films. I watched both of those films and did not like them. But I've learned that, well, that's fine. You know, if Ridley Scott does another Alien film, odds are I probably won't go and see it. Certainly not straight away. I'll wait until I've seen some reviews and then I'll decide. But I'm not going to lose any sleep about it. And I'm not going to go and if if someone asks me an opinion, I'll tell them. But I'm not going to tell them they're wrong because they do like it. Absolutely. And I mean, I... I remember liking Star Trek Into Darkness, but that is, again, because I haven't seen any other Star Trek in my life. So had I done that, I probably would have a different opinion. So all of these things are a result of, you know, culture and worldview and prior knowledge and so on. But it's like I can acknowledge that there are huge problems with the Star Wars sequel trilogy as a whole. But I will say this, each individual film, Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and even Rise of Skywalker, that's one I like the least. But I do like all of them. I do like them individually. As a trilogy, I think it's, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it is uneven, I think is the uh, the best way to, to put it. I, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's very strange. Um, but mm. I, like individually i can i can get on board with any of them and i don't i don't see that many people that that can find you know you either like one and hate the others or you know you hate all of them or what have you well i mean that that was for the longest time the quickest way to just get any random person coming in and you know shouting and hurling abuse at you was you know if if you have an opinion on the last jedi if 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 you you put that out there, you, I guarantee you'd have someone rock up and tell you if you're wrong, and with a huge essay about why you're wrong uh, about that. Mm. And um, and 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 you know, on, on Twitter, you know, again, I'm a white male posting on there, so it's not as bad for me. But you know, certainly when I've had you know female friends out there uh, expressing opinions, 2016 Ghostbusters, that's an even better example there. Oh, people who loved 
who, who enjoy the 2016 Ghostbusters film, you had these people just coming out of the woodwork to shout them down and tell them why they were wrong and why it was a terrible film and why uh, Sony were using the misogyny just to excuse it being a terrible film. And, and I was, I mean, that whole experience really did put me off a Ghostbuster fandom for a little while. Uh, and even now we have another film coming out. And while I love Ghostbusters, one, one of the first things I did when I got into cosplay was build my own proton pack because it was something I'd always wanted. That's so fun. Oh, it was. It, it's that moment when you wake up one day and you go, wait, I can build a proton pack. You do it and it's awesome. But um, <laughs> yeah, despite, despite spending all that time and money and doing that and loving the Ghostbusters franchise and being very excited about the film, there's a part of me which is a little sad that it, it will effectively just try and brush away the 2016 film without acknowledging it. Because, you know, uh, my friend, uh, she's got a young daughter who loved the Ghostbusters in that film, you know, she loved it. She was going around in a little Ghostbuster costume with the stripes and all that. And that was great because it was made for her. Yeah. And she loved it. And, you know, I, I kind of hate the fact that now, yeah, I don't know if they are excited, but they go to this new Ghostbusters film now and they're not going to see Holtzman. They're not going to see Chris Hemsworth's character. I, I can't remember the names of her, but you're not going to see these characters from that film in it because a load of man babies of my generation, of my age, cried that... It wasn't what they wanted it to be, and it was never going to be what they wanted it to be, and and that kind of got washed away. That's a shame. I, I hope the film, this film, is good, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. But you know, it it's tinged with that little bit of sadness that other people, fans of that film, aren't being given a chance to continue that film's story or journey. Yeah, and I think it's yeah, I think nostalgia is just it's a difficult beast. Because I think on the one hand, everybody's nostalgic about things. And we've all got memories of, oh, I was this age when I found it. And I, you know, really spoke to me. And then, you know, this this film comes along and they try to do something else and something different. And the nostalgia shows up and is like, actually, this isn't what I remember. It it comes back to that, that that sense of entitlement and ownership because that, that I mean I'm not saying that film was perfect in any way, but the, there's problems with that film. Oh, of course, the, the, I have messaging seen from it, the studio. So. Well, the messaging from the studio was terrible. It, I'm not saying that the 2016 Ghostbuster film was in any way a perfect film, but it was clearly not made for people who had been brought up on the original Ghostbusters film. Yeah, and maybe it was a mistake to brand it as a Ghostbusters film. I. I I can't comment there, but it was not made for for them. It was made for a new generation, a younger generation. And the people it wasn't made for sulked about it an awful lot. And as a result, that got canned. And we're seeing that now with, and we've seen that with every Star Wars iteration. You know, when the prequels came out, the, the, the people, fans of the original trilogy were like, this is the worst thing ever. We hate it. And then when the sequel trilogy came out, all of a sudden now you have a lot of people saying, well, the prequels were just so good and they were George's vision and he was a visionary and this is terrible and it's Disney and we hate it. Mm. And I'm sure that in 15 to 20 years when Disney kick out another bunch of Star Wars films, there'll be people saying, the sequel trilogy was the greatest thing ever and this is ruining it. <laughs> I I don't doubt it. Um, yeah, I, I do think, I, I do wonder about the whole nostalgia trip that's that's constantly fueling everything right now in in the media 
you know, we've got Stranger Things and we've got Cobra Kai and like all of these shows. I, I love both of those shows, but many others that are, you know, a callback to a different time where life was simpler. And it's like, you know, there were problems in the 80s also. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. The nostalgia is a very powerful tool and, and the, the studios have figured out to wep- how to weaponize it. And even the Marvel things, you know, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, they're all basically pulling from comic books, you know, which were through the 60s, 70s and 80s, all these stories, even into the 90s now. You know, it, it is it is all nostalgia. It's, it's very rare and difficult to get a new property, an, an IP, as they say, yeah. you know, out, out there because they won't give it the chance if it isn't an already fully established brand. They, they want the guaranteed quick buck. And, you know, that's just a bit of a shame. And that's why something like The Expanse was such a delight because, you know, it kind of went from book to TV show in maybe the space of five years or something. Um, and you know, there's other stories and things. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Red Rising book series. Okay, I don't know if you are familiar with that. I've heard of it. I but think I'm very eager that if they're able to make that into uh, some sort of a Netflix show or you know streaming thing, that that that's potentially quite exciting. But it, it, like you said, it's all more all the more likely we're just going to get uh, Jaws reboot or ET reboot or mm. something like that. <laughs> yeah. Which is unfortunate. However, th- there are there are gems out there. I recently watched Bumblebee for the first time and thought it was great. I really liked it. Um, it's fun, and isn't it? It's just it's fun. A- another random uh, sci-fi movie opinion I have. I heckin' love the 2017 Power Rangers movie. No one likes it. I thought it was great. I. <laughs> it's just a random film that I really enjoyed, that was fun, and, you know. But that's probably, again, because I never watched the Power Rangers growing up, so it wasn't necessarily the same tonally. Well, it wasn't the same tonally. (laughs) (laughs) But I enjoyed it a lot, and I thought it was a lot of fun. So That's awesome, though, because, because it was made for you. Because you enjoyed it, and that's 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 what's great. That is what's great. I mean, um, and because of that, because you haven't, and and this is what a lot of people don't seem to realize as well. Because of that film, you know, you've already said you had no connection to Power Rangers outside of that. You know, you now have an awareness of that franchise. You might have felt like going and checking some of that out and and dive deeper into the fandom. I'm, I'm not assuming either way, but you know, you might have done. Um, there was a terrible, and I think a quote terrible. Judge Dredd film, which came out in 95, starring Sylvester Stallone. I knew you'd say that. Uh, <laughs> which is objectively awful. I love it. It is cheesy as hell. It, it is ridiculous. He's walking around in a massive cod piece. He takes his helmet off. Judge Dredd fans hate that film. Hate it. <laughs> but you know what that film did? I saw that film without any real knowledge or understanding of the character when I was 12, I think. and. I loved it. I loved the film. And because of that, I dived into the comic series and the franchise, and I became a fan of the comics and the character in the series. And I understand the problems with that film compared to later interpretations. And the 2012 film with Carl Urban is vastly superior in every way. But I still love the 95 film, and I wouldn't have discovered the rest of that fandom without that film. And if I'd have let some 
you know, bloke, you know, 30, 40 year old bloke tell me in 95 that I was wrong for liking that film, I probably would never have found the rest of the fandom, but I did. And that's why it's important to just let people like what they like. That's beautiful. I, I, I love when people are just unashamed to enjoy the thing, even if it's quote unquote objectively bad. It's like, <laughs> I don't care. Just have a good time. And I think that's an excellent place, probably, to finish up. So thank you so much, Andy, for, for coming on. Is there anything that you would like to say? Any closing remarks? Anything that you'd like to plug also at all? Oh, well, f- firstly, thank you for inviting me. It's been a delight. It's been a pleasure. Thank I love you. talking to people on podcasts and, and, and hopefully helping people to kind of you know, embrace your fandoms and you know your love of a thing. I, I've, I've said this elsewhere, but I'll say it again. I don't think there's any such thing as a guilty pleasure. Revel in the things that give you joy because we live in a little bit of a dumpster fire of a world right now. Yeah. And so if if a thing gives you joy, embrace it, love it. Go and shout it from the rooftops and say how much you love the thing because I think, yeah, if we were all just more positive about the things we loved and less negative about the things we didn't like, we would all be in a generally better place. I think so. Um, I, I, I do think so too. Uh, as far as things to plug, well, as, as we've alluded to, I, I do podcasts. And if you want to listen to me ramble about random anything and anything to do with science fiction uh you can find me on the great derelict uh and also on the grand prix podcast where we talk about formula one and also on interview expanse when we come back which will be i don't know december time maybe Uh, but all of those could be found at rogue2media.com and i've got a facebook page as well but i'll i'll give show notes and you can put them down there and look at stuff i will i'm on twitter at andy3e where you can come and find me i don't post a huge amount of stuff I, I retweet things and you know chat to people but uh but yeah uh, i'm over there come say hi i'm on instagram as well but you know it's just random pictures of pretty things that i've taken <laughs> excellent amazing and we will put all those links in the show notes wonderful thank you again for coming on this journey into fandom and for for guiding me into the world of, of star trek and the expanse I'm absolutely going to check out The Expanse. It sounds awesome. I have actually played The Expanse RPG, fun fact. Uh, oh, ex- right. It's, it's, can, I, can I give you, can I give you a, a really fun fact about The Expanse then? Yes, before we go. absolutely. Uh, but, but The Expanse started out, it was conceived as a computer game, and they couldn't find a publisher, so they then reworked it as an RPG. And when they were playing it as a tabletop playing game, mm-hmm. a desktop, like a Dungeons and Dragons yeah, thing. Yeah, that's, that, that's what ca- I played before. The first four people who were playing it, the character names, um, James Holden, uh, Naomi Nagata, Amos Burton, and um, ah, Alex Kamal, those are the names of the main stars, uh, main characters in the Expanse TV show because when they decided to adapt it to books, they took those character names and used them as the characters in the story as well. So there you go. That's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. And it just goes to show, don't give, you know, if 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 you have a dream or an endeavor, something you're trying to do, and it doesn't work out the way you initially plan, don't give up. Keep keep pushing it. Keep keep trying to tell your stories. Stories are important and and and, and tell your story. They really are. Excellent. That's beautiful. So fun. So profound. Mm. Uh, Yay! (laughs) Yeah, 
us. Thank you so much, Andy. Appreciate it. And yeah, we will see you next time for the next episode. So that was Andy Palacides. This interview was so much fun. I really enjoyed our discussion. Next week, we will have Stephen White from the Super Mega Crash Bros Turbo podcast and the Cinema Salsa podcast. And he's going to come on and talk about fan communities of video games in general and what's going on in the industry. My name is Karis. You can follow Journey Into Fandom on Twitter at J underscore Into Fandom. I am on Twitter at Karison Ford. You can also join the official Discord for all my podcasts, Kingdom Minds, Retrospective, and Journey Into Fandom. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.